Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Another Soul of America radio broadcast. Tonight's episode is Let's Straighten It Out, starring Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy helps you work out and foster healthy relationships. Tonight's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and hosted and produced by the Soul of America radio. And now, without any ado, we take you directly to Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo. Well, hello, folks. This is Dr. Bo, a.k.a. Big Easy. Uh, we want to welcome you to our show tonight, and let's straighten it out. And we've got my co-host, Denise, with me this night. How are you doing, Denise? I'm doing good, Bo. How are you? I'm just trying to stay dry. Well, same here. It's been raining for two days here. I need to get me a boat. <laughs> Look, or get me a, a start a new bottle, you know, bottling, uh, bottled water company. <laughs> it's catching in fresh rainwater. Well, I'd much rather have rain than snow. Uh, my wife was wishing for snow, and I told her, I said, if I don't see any for a while, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> oh, well, me and your wife, we're alike. I love the snow myself. <laughs> well, it's fine as long as you're watching it on TV somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say when you have to get out there and show it, that's a different story. Yep, I just stay put. We have some hills where we live, and I don't want to take any chances, so... Uh, it didn't take much for them to start closing schools and shutting down. Uh, Chattanooga's pretty hilly, and yeah. they won't invest in the equipment to keep the roads clean because we really don't have that much snow. So mm-hmm. whenever it snows, everything shuts down, and people run to the grocery store buy all the milk and bread and <laughs> eggs and like they're going to be <laughs> locked up for months. <laughs> well, if my thing of it is, uh, why so much the milk? I can understand some bread, but why, you know, why would, if, know if it's a really bad snowstorm, nine times out of ten you might lose power, you know, so. Right, the milk milk go, go bad anyway. Yeah, or I guess you can <laughs> sit it outside in the snow or something. Yep. So, but it's been raining wet, so uh, I've been a little out of pocket the last couple of weeks, which is why we had to change the schedule. So after this week, I'll be back in on schedule again, so. <clears throat> this group that I sing with is doing the Scott Joplin Opera Tremonesia this weekend. So we've been rehearsing every night except Sunday for the last two weeks, trying to get ready for it. And now the night before opening night, I'm getting a little hoarse, so hopefully by tomorrow it'll be cleared up. I need to get a hot toddy, I guess, to <laughs> get yeah. the voice cleared up. So. Now, it was something my girlfriend, she used to use, I think it was Listerine, mm-hmm. salt, and I want to say maybe lemon juice. She would combine the three and use it as a gargle. Mm-hmm. But she she does a lot of singing um, for the church and stuff, so she has to be ready. She keeps her little concoction in her purse yeah. of her magic elixir. <clears throat> I'll have to uh, try to get the, the uh, recipe from her and uh, send you an inbox. Well, I've got a little less than 24 hours, so hopefully it won't get any worse. So I'll really be singing bass. <laughs> well, now you said this was a Joplin op- opera? Uh, yeah, Scott Joplin did this opera, Tremonisha, and it was he did it back in, like, 1914. And the first time it was done was in Atlanta uh, back in 1972. And nobody has done the full version again, so we'll be doing... The full stage version of that opera. Um, the group that did it back in '72 was a 
with a group from Atlanta, and mm-hmm. our music director was good friends with them. And ironically, when we open tomorrow, it'll be 40 years to the day from the time it was done back in 72 uh, in Atlanta. So I'm looking forward to it being over. We've been working really hard, but I'll be glad to get back to my normal life. So, yeah. Well, now, where are you all going to have the the performance? It's going to be on the campus of UTC, uh, local college okay. here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get started tonight. Our topic tonight, folks, is those turbulent teen years. So hopefully we can uh, get something stirred up. And for those of you who have teens, uh, hopefully we'll say something that can be helpful. Um, and for those of you that uh, maybe work with teens, hopefully it will be helpful as well. So what do you remember about your teen years, Ms. Denise? I was I was an introvert. I was very I was painfully shy, if you can believe it or not. I didn't talk nowhere near as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had family issues going on at home that kind of kept me. Um, I was more, you know, like I said, of an introvert, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I, I had I knew a lot of people, but I had a small group of friends that I really just kind of, you know, cut loose and let myself go with. Uh, yeah. Pretty much what Mama said went, you know, and then, you know, some some stuff I kind of got away with. Like my mother, we had this uh, rule that as long as the house was clean by the time she got home, that's all she cared about. Mm-hmm. And with me being eight years behind my siblings, you know, I, I, I had siblings, but I grew up like an only child from eight on up. Right. And... Evidently, when they were younger, you know, they all had to just get out and act like they were, you know, storming Normandy or something like that. <laughs> and my brother had came down one day, one Saturday, and he's like, oh, why are you not cleaning up? Why are you not cleaning up? I said, look, don't come down here messing up. Nothing I got going on. I said, me and Mama got an understand. I said, as long as by the time she turned that knob, it's done. I said, that's all she needs. That's all she needs and wants. Yeah. So my mother, she was a nurse, <clears throat> and um, she normally works seven to three. And with the change of uh, the shift and stuff, she'd probably get home about 3.30 or so, and I'd start cleaning up maybe about 2.45. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, those years, you know, can be pretty conflicted for people because you are going through a lot of changes and trying to find yourself, and it's interesting to look back and see how a lot of us were during adolescence and how we ended up as adults. I'm sure some of our parents wondered if we were going to make it and wondered if they were going to make it without being in jail for <laughs> whipping up on us or something. Now, see, that's that's where I am now, boy. It's, it's that last statement you made. I'm wondering if I'm going to end up in jail because uh, I, I think it's, it's more like the title should have been Turbul- Turbulent Terrible Teens because um, they're worse than the two, you know, Terrible Twos and stuff, so... Uh, well, that time can be just as difficult for the child as it is the parent. And I think that we as parents sometimes forget what it was like during our teen years when we figured our parents didn't really know anything and we were smarter than they were and these adults just making all these rules and making our life miserable. And now we're the adults. And so it's helpful for us to go back and remember because I would not, and I don't think most adults would want to go back and relive their teen years because a lot of those things were things that just glad to get past. But I think it's important for us to be mindful of what's going on in a child's life during that time. And I think because we forget that each child is different, we oftentimes are comparing our children to ourselves and Sometimes we model or mirror our parents' parenting uh, habits, but we forget how much turbulence we experience as teens and how much confusion there was sometimes. And so I think it's important for people to understand that when you talk, talk about adolescence or the teen years, we typically see that as 12 to 18, but that's not a rigid number. Uh, and I think it's important for us to distinguish between adolescence and puberty, which can start a lot younger, and 
if you look at most of the work that's done about adolescents, that 12 to 18 is the general age range. And all 12-year-olds and all 18-year-olds aren't the same. And people develop at different rate paces. And I think sometimes what's frustrating for parents is we expect things to be nice and orderly and predictable and manageable. And when you think about how confusing the adolescent years can be, then a lot of times it's going to be anything but predictable and manageable. And that can be very frustrating uh, for parents. And so if you look at your child, uh, the first sign that parents get is when kids begin to go through puberty. And that can slip up on some parents. And sometimes the parents are not prepared for it. They haven't talked to their children about it. And if the parents are unprepared, then those years can be even more stressful because you see these changes. Um, I didn't have that issue so much with my sons, and I don't think I'll have that issue with my uh, grandson. But with my granddaughter, she just turned 13 and uh, back a year ago when we started seeing signs of puberty with her, I'm thinking, oh, no, my grandbaby is becoming a woman. <laughs> Bring out the shotgun and the baseball bat. <laughs> Bear traps and all of that, huh? <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. You know, it's like, oh boy, what are we getting into? And so you have to start early preparing for that. And I think sometimes parents get in a little bit of denial. They see their children growing up and they think, well, um, maybe it'll slow down. But that was a an experience. I'm sure, it, you know, from talking to my son, it was an even bigger experience for him because. He's there dealing with it every day, and since they moved to Nashville, we don't see them uh, that often. But it's just the thought of seeing her growing up and realizing what it was like when I was 12 and 13 and knowing that children today are a lot more advanced than we were when we were 12 and 13. you got kids that are 12 and 13 years old doing stuff that 18-year-olds didn't do when we were kids, and so... Uh, parents need to be prepared, and what's confusing is that you see these physical signs of puberty occur, and sometimes the child's psychological, social, and emotional growth and development doesn't match their physical growth and development. And girls typically tend to develop socially and emotionally a little bit quicker than boys, and one of the challenges is that if you have a child, for example, that develops signs of puberty early, then that can be very confusing for them because uh, one of the paradoxes of adolescence is that you want to be different, but you want to be the same. (laughs) You want to be yourself, a unique person, but you give in the peer pressure and you do what your friends do. And I've seen children that develop early and they felt awkward um, particularly if you get girls that go through a growth spurt taller than the boys in their class or they start developing breasts and uh, then the boys start looking at them, that can be a very consistent time for children. So I think that parents need to be prepared to address those things and uh, to have an understanding of how the constant changes that adolescents go through can be confusing to them. So sometimes the behavior that we see with adolescents is their way of dealing with their confusion about what's going on with them, the pressure that they're getting from their peers, trying to figure out you know what they want to be, who they want to be. And I think that as parents, it's very important for us to understand uh, what the children are going through. One of the basic things that you've got to develop as an adolescent is this sense of identity and to define what your role is going to be. And that can be very confusing because things aren't as clear and distinct as they used to be. And a lot of times children have a lot more freedom during those years than we did when we were growing up. And so they're in a position to make more choices. And unfortunately, they are in a position to make more not so good choices, and that can be very confusing for them because they want to be independent, they want to 
develop this sense of self. Uh, so social relationships are very important. And as parents, what you'll notice sometimes is that's when the child starts pulling away from the parent. They don't want to be with the parent as much. And if you're a parent that hadn't spent a lot of time with your child when they were growing up, that can be a sense of loss at that time when you find them physically and emotionally pulling away from you or preferring to be with their peers as opposed to with you as a parent. So I think that it's important for parents to start early to develop that relationship with their child so that when they do reach adolescence, they will have a connection with them that will allow them to help them to get through that period of time because as they're trying to identify, develop a sense of self and identity, um, you see a lot of times they go through changes where they imitate their peers and one week is one thing, next week is something different. Um, There's a lot of experimentation going on during that time. And because being accepted and being liked by their peers is so important, then if you're not careful, their peers end up having much more influence over that child uh, than you do. And so what the child is trying to do is if they have healthy relationships with their parents, if they have healthy relationships with their peers and other important people in their lives, then they are more likely to develop that sense of identity that will help them to make better choices and not be negatively influenced by their peers. If they don't develop that sense of self, then there's a lot of confusion and they have a weak sense of self, a low self-esteem, and that's when the problems can really uh, set in. So I think it's important for parents to understand the changes that the children are going through and to be able to explain it to them because sometimes they just don't know what's happening to them. Um, I well, see no. people, yeah. With me personally, I try to let my children know that I remember what it was like being a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, how how you felt like it was just so important that, you you know, you're hanging out with your friends or you're doing whatever your friends are doing. And I told them I understood that, you know, but it's it's like I, I try to tell them, I, I try to go a step further than my parents did. I try to tell them, give them a rationale why I'm so concerned about certain type of behavior, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, or being so influenced about your, your friends because um, years ago my niece, she was, she was ready to chop her mom's head off because her mom said she couldn't go somewhere with her friends, and I had to tell her, you know, I say, the people that you call friend today, I say, after you graduate, you may or may not even associate with these people. And she was like, ha, these going to be my girls to the end. <laughs> and fast forward maybe 10 years later, you know, I remember some of the, the kids' names, and I'll ask, you know, how this one's doing. I, well, I don't even talk to her. I don't talk to them. I don't talk I'm like, no. But that could happen from month to month. <laughs> you know, you were ready to run away from home. <laughs> Because of these people, you know, and it's it's like um, it, I just try to get them to understand that it's more coming up than tomorrow. Yeah, and that's important to help them to get through that. So we got a break coming up. We'll come back after the break and pick up from there. All right. Mm. Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio, and you're listening to Dr. Bo. Call Dr. Bo today at 323-784-9638 and press 1 if you want to speak to the doctor.
Welcome back to Let's Straighten It Out. Tonight our topic is those turbulent teen years, and I've got Denise here with me, and uh, we want to encourage you to stay tuned and to also put on your calendar on Monday night in the latest room, and then on Tuesday we've got um, Tuke and Tony with the Totally Taboo, so make sure you give SOAR Radio all your support, and we will hopefully be both entertaining and um, informative for you. Right before the break, we were talking about teens and the importance of social relationships. And I think one of the challenges that our teens have today is when we were teenagers, we didn't have as much access to technology and a lot of the things that kids have today. And so you were more likely to interact face-to-face uh, with your peers. Um, if you were fortunate enough to have a phone, uh, you might talk on the phone. But today when you've got all the technology, well, the cell phones. Um, you weren't going to talk no more than 10 or 15 minutes either. Huh? I said at my house you weren't going to talk any more than 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes, then you were going to get off my phone. You're not going to be laying on my phone all yep. night. And so I think things are different. And what you think about now, your kids got cell phones and iPads and all of the, the stuff internet. that can, you know, can communicate with people. And one of the things I remember when my kids were growing up is they would talk about their friends. And some of these people they would talk, but they didn't even know what their names were. Or they might know a nickname, but they didn't know what their real names were. They had no clue and it was amazing as who they would identify as a friend, which was more an acquaintance or less. And now with Facebook and all of the um, Internet, um, the social media, uh, a lot of people have quote-unquote friends, and they don't even know these people. Right. I, I just smile when you look on someone's Facebook page and they've got 2,000 friends. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know these people. You never seen them. You never will see them. And but they are their friends. And right. so during adolescence, the children are very influenced by their social relationships. I think it's important for the parents to be a key relationship for that child. And so some of the things that parents need to think about is that. You need to take some time, take advantage of the Internet, take advantage of the resources there to learn about your teens, to learn about their development, to learn about what to expect with them. And it doesn't take a lot of time or energy or effort to find that sort of information, but the more you know about what's typical, and when I say typical, that doesn't mean that uh, all kids are alike because they're all different. But the more you know about what to expect from your teens and about the process that they're going through, the more helpful it is for you, but you also are in a better position to explain some of these things to your child and to let them know this is typical, it's going to pass, and to let them know that some of the things that they feel that they're going to die if they don't get to do it, well, no, you won't, you'll be fine. Um, and so I think it's important for the parents to educate themselves about what to expect and how to handle uh, their children. There's so much information out there to help you to know how to deal with that. And you need to start early with your child to talk to them before they become teens, before they reach puberty, to start talking to them about what to expect, uh, to start talking to them about how to prepare themselves to deal with peer pressure, uh, how to cope with the physical and the emotional and psychological changes that they're going to go through as they uh, grow up and to be better prepared because some of these changes we can't assume that the child will know or to uh, understand it. And can you imagine the trauma that a young girl would go through if her mother does not take the time to talk to her about the menstrual cycle and she's out in public somewhere and have that experience, that can be very unsettling for that child if the parent hasn't taken the time to prepare them for what to expect. Unfortunately, sometimes well, the parents but, don't think about it until it's already started. So. 
Well, but you know, Bo, I, I, I think sometimes parents, we, we don't tell our kids a lot of stuff, you know, um, because, uh, like you said, with the social network that goes on now, um, mm-hmm. I guess that's like the, the old age pen pals. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the the I, I glanced through, I have uh, some friends, my Facebook friends or some of my children's friends, and I just do that for a reason to be able to spy on my kids, too, so... <laughs> but um, you know some of the stuff that they, some of the comments that they make is like, whoa! I wasn't thinking about stuff like that after I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. But like, I think okay, that it's important to for us to know these things and to prepare our children, and that's how you develop that relationship with them, and that's how you have the opportunity to know what they think. And I think it's important for the parent to do that at the child's level. Uh, and to not go over their head and not to you know tell them more than they're ready for, but that means spending time with your child to get to know your child well enough to know what they can handle. But if you are observant about the changes that they're going through and can prepare them for that, then it helps you to develop the communication that you want to have with them. And you want to make sure that they have the right information. You don't want them to learn from their peers because when I was a teenager, what I was learning from my peers was not what my parents wanted me to know. And sometimes um, adolescents... It wasn't too accurate. Huh? It wasn't too accurate. No, because what you have to realize is that um, particularly with young boys, is that a lot of what they're going to share is going to be lies. They're going to talk about their conquests and what they did, and most times it's not going to be accurate. Um, and so I think that the parent needs to take the time to make sure that their child gets accurate, right information and to use that as an opportunity to develop the relationship with that child so that you can talk to them. Now, some parents don't feel comfortable talking to that child because they didn't learn it properly and they might not think they could answer some of the questions that the child might ask. But you just have to be patient and to learn with the child and not feel like you got to know everything. That's part of the problem sometimes is that we as adults sometimes have a hard time just saying, I don't know, but I'll find out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do as a parent. You know, don't come across as a know-it-all because sometimes the child thinks that that's what you are anyway. But that's but very what if, important. But what if it's stuff that you do actually know? Well, I think that if you know it, then that's even more important for you to share that with your child. And no, I mean, so, when, as far as like, okay, when when I'm trying to explain things to them, sometimes, you know, they'll they'll roll their eyes up in the top of their head, and, you know, I'm about ready to slap their head up against the wall, but uh, I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. Uh, but you know, I mean, they 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 just exude the the they exude the the, the ex- emotion like oh, you really don't know what you're talking about, mom. Well, but you know that could be because of several things. Sometimes you know children feel as awkward discussing those things as the parent does, and sometimes what I think is happening is that because you know these facts and you share these facts with the child, there's a conscious or an unconscious expectation that just because it's a fact that the child is going to accept it and go with it. And they might just need time to absorb it. And so I think we have to be patient with our children. And as long as we're sharing the right information with them, we need to give them time to process it. And they may not want to know about it. We went through that with um, one of our sons is the older one. Um, he wanted to know, and he expected, he accepted it. The younger one, um, when he got about the same age, and we started having these discussions, he wasn't really interested. So, I think that it's important for the parent to know the child and to know what they're ready for. But sometimes, when the child does not respond the way you want it to, it doesn't mean that they aren't listening. I can remember times with our older son, and even up to the time he was in college, uh, we would spend time with him and his peers, and uh, we would be talking.
talking and they would be telling us what our son told them and it would be the advice that we've given him when we thought he wasn't listening or didn't absorb it and he's sharing this advice with his friends. So sometimes the child's reaction might not necessarily mean that they don't hear it or don't accept it. Sometimes it might mean that they just need some time to process it and to, you know, come through it. And that's when it's important for us to remember what it was like when we were teens, when we didn't think our parents were all that cool and we didn't want to hear what they had to say. And so I think that we have to be patient with our child to um, have that communication with them. And if you start early enough, then you can pace yourself because sometimes people have waited until it's too late and you're trying to cover more ground in a shorter period of time. But as parents, I think it's important for us to know our children and to take the time to communicate with them about what it's like going through those years. And I've had that situation where you say, well, I remember what it was like then. Yeah, sure. They won't think that you know because they are going to be coming from a different position. Uh, we've got someone from the 323 area code that's wanting to um, talk, so let's put them on. Hello? Yeah, how are you doing? We're doing fine. Welcome to Let's Straighten It Out. So you want to join in the conversation? Yeah, I just I just wanted to ask a question. Um, it, it appears as though, and we all know that the communication age has progressed. Uh, like your co-host was saying, text messages, mm-hmm. uh, iPad, Facebook. Um, kids these days, apparently with some rap music being uh, vulgar and 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 getting straight to the point on sex, mm-hmm. do you think it? Do you think it's um, it would behoove parents? to perhaps back it up a little bit and start the, the, the conversations maybe preteen or even earlier because kids these days at eight and nine years old actually are listening to lyrics mm-hmm. and songs that's explaining um, things of sexual nature to them in a very rude tone. And, and do you think that – I know it wasn't like that when I grew up. I'm in my 50s. So do you think that has changed the ball game and maybe we need to adjust the way we um, we deal with that issue? Well, I think that it's changed the game. I think that the implication there is that parents need to be technically savvy and to know about texting, to know about Facebook, and to you know be able to do that. So, yes, kids are exposed to stuff a lot earlier through social media, through TV and radio, and that's why I think it's important for the parent to start early with the child and to uh, be prepared to to do that. So because they have access to more information, um, it's important for parents to be involved with their children to um, know what to do about that. But, yes, I think it's important for parents to start early, um, to have that conversation. And sometimes parents take what I think is not probably the most healthy approach to dealing with something like rap music or that sort of thing. One thing that parents could do is to sit down and listen with their child and discuss what's going on and take advantage of that opportunity to explain to them why some of that can be demeaning to women, why some of that is not good. Um, A lot of times we just say, well, don't listen to it or we set those limits, but that might be an opportunity to find out, well, what is it about your child, where are they with that, and to use that as an opportunity to develop communication with them. But there is so much that our children are exposed to. Uh, It's a monumental task for some parents, especially if you're a single parent with multiple children, uh, that can be you know, more demanding. But uh, I think it's important for parents to take the time to develop relationships with their children so that there is communication. And it's important for us as parents to pick our battles sometimes. So we got another break coming up. We'll take a short break, and then we'll pick up with that as we get back.
Chris, tell them where they can get some soulful talk radio. Right here on the Soul of America Radio. Every Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. here on the Soul of America Radio, you be sure to tune in and listen to Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy hosts a segment called Let's Straighten It Out, in which we work out or help you work out relationship issues, whether it's parent, child, friend, co-worker, or even the special love of your life. You can call Big Easy right here at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. Seven eight four nine six three eight. So throw everything else you got to do on Thursday nights at eight o'clock p.m. Central Time. Throw it out the window, and you tune in right here to the Soul of America Radio, and listen to Big Easy. Not be pressured into it, but 
it would help what would what would be an example of where that might be an issue and that might get, help me to give you more specific information. Okay, I'll say like if it's just little life lessons. Not mm-hmm. not so much um just just simple things to 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 be I like I said I was an introvert when I was a, a teen and stuff and I really don't want my children to go through their teenage years feeling like they can't, you know, that without a whole lot of self-confidence I I want them to be a little more assertive than what I was at that age. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell them things to do, you know, with my sons I told them to make sure when they shake someone's hand they have a firm grip. They always look uh, people in the in the eye when they're speaking to them, and you know those type of little things. And they like, oh, "Why we got to do this? Why we got to do that?" You know, and it's like, "Boy, because I, I I found myself, boy, because I said so." You know. So. Well, <clears throat> when you say that, what ultimately are you trying to convey to them? I guess to to instill in them some of the old values from when we were growing up. Um, that's like with the the kids sagging in the pants, and mm-hmm. a lot of kids say. Some of them will sag with a belt and some will sag without a belt. And mm-hmm. the way I grew up, if you wore pants that had a belt loop, you needed a belt on, mm-hmm. you know, as simple as that. I mean, just little little stuff like that, um, common courtesy type things, you know, hold the door open for for your elders or for a woman. Uh, if you're on a bus and, and an older person gets on, there's no more seats, get up, which my oldest son, he did make me feel real proud when we were living in St. Louis. Um, this one lady that... I guess you know how well when you're riding on the bus, you on the same bus, you kind of get to know the people that ride the same mm-hmm. at that time. And this older lady, she was, uh, I guess she was halfway watching out for my child, unbeknownst to me. So one day I had to go to his school with him, and, you know, he didn't want to sit with me, so we're sitting in two dip- different seats. So when we got to the next bus stop, I said something to him, and she looked at me like she was ready to chop my head off. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made mention, he said, blah, 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 ma. And she was like, oh. And she said, baby, I'm sorry, I looked at you crazy because I, I didn't know who you were. I, she said, I just kind of watch, you know, be watching him when he's on the bus because evidently one day he was on the bus, an older lady got on, and it was grown men that wouldn't get up and let the old lady sit down. And she mm-hmm. said, my son did. So that made me feel good, you know, that um, he, you know, he took heed to some of the little things I tried to teach him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that sometimes it might be helpful to take a different approach of how we communicate these things and when we communicate. And sometimes parents tell children those types of things and the setting is not exactly right for them to be receptive to it. A different approach might be instead of saying do this, do that, would be at a time when they are calm and you you know, can connect with them to say, well, what? why do you suppose that some people do such and such? You know, why do you suppose that some people think it's a good idea for you to look people in the eye when you talk to them? That it's a different approach to convey to them that, that one, it kind of helps you to understand whether or not they already know. Um, so how we communicate these things to our children Sometimes we can be a little creative to, as opposed to just telling them information and accepting them to expect them to accept it, is to approach it from a standpoint of asking what they think about something and then developing that dialogue that helps them to develop the process of thinking through stuff and uh, not just taking it at face value. So that's one way, but... A lot of it, too, depends on what it is that you're trying to convey to them and how you come across to it. Um, it could okay, say, so to try to engage them more into the the conversation rather than just talking at them or, as they say, right. talking. Okay. To okay. find out what they think. You know, what do you think about such and such? Um, when I was a child, we were always told to, um, you know, to do such and such. What do you think about that? You know, what do you think your friends uh, think about it? Uh, if you were to, if you were on a bus and a lady got on and had nowhere to sit, what would you do? You know, so sometimes we can take that kind of approach. And what you'll find out is sometimes some of the things that we want to convey to our children, they already know. You want to take it to the next step of getting them to think about why do you feel a certain way. Instead of saying, well, don't feel that way or you ought not to feel that way, why do you feel that way? You know, what benefit do you 
expect to gain from having that attitude. When you do this, what do you think people are going to think and how will they see you? And that is getting them to start having the ability to think through things. And sometimes when we just tell people to do stuff and not do stuff, we don't help them to develop those critical thinking skills. And so sometimes that can be um, planned. Because one of the things that I found now is that families don't spend as much time together around the table eating together. Everybody has their own schedule. you got football and basketball and band and soccer and all these different activities uh, going on. And we don't sit around and chat as a family like, you know, people did. So finding opportunities to convey those kind of messages to your child before it's an issue, before it's a problem, you know, have a, a family time. Uh, that's what, particularly when you have children that are preteen and before they get too old, I think it's important to have family times. One of the things I think is helpful is to have family meetings mm-hmm. and to have, you know, once a week. We're going to sit down, and everybody's going to talk about how their week has gone, what's your plan for the week that's coming up, and what's going on in your life that you're concerned about, what's going good, you know, what's going not so good. And that way, that becomes a tradition or a habit, and hopefully it would be something that they would carry with them later on. And if you have a family meeting, depending on the age of your child, uh, you can use that time to discuss family rules and expectations, uh, to discuss chores that they might have. That would be an opportunity for them to bring something to the table that want that they want to discuss with the family that might be a problem. So it's important for parents to try to plan ahead, to find times when their child is um, not distracted, uh, because you want to have a balance. You want to have time with them, but at the same time, you want to allow them some freedom to have that flexibility. So depending on what it is, rather than just telling them, a different approach might be to try to engage them in a conversation of to what give them a platform to, right. to avoid because their opinion. One of the things that's important for us is to value them as human people beings. People and not people. little little right. <laughs> And sometimes they might surprise so you. Some, <laughs> some of the stuff that you want to tell them, they might already know. And so if you take the approach of engaging them in a dialogue and asking them what do they think about it, and I think that this is a good way to approach talking with them about risky behavior because mm-hmm. a lot of our kids, they're going to be exposed to alcohol and drugs and sex and pornography and hip-hop and all this other stuff uh, at an early age. And it's important for us to start early with them. And you'd be surprised sometimes at what young kids observe. Y'all are grandsons four years old, and just watching him sometimes, it's scary because you talk to him, and sometimes it's like talking to an adult. He'll be watching something on TV and he observed stuff. We were watching this movie, and this person was looking angry. And he said, he's getting ready to punch him out. And sure enough, <laughs> this guy got up and punched <laughs> And this is a four-year-old that can look at someone's facial expression and know that they're angry <laughs> and that they're getting ready to blow a fuse. So uh, we have to start early with our children to talk with them about some of these things and to Talk with them about how to deal with conflict, about how to avoid, you know, getting themselves into situations that could get them in trouble. Because it's better for it to come from the parent and to prepare them for that than for them to learn from their peers. Um, and a lot of that depends on how comfortable you are as a parent, how informed you are as a parent, and what kind of relationship you have with your child. I think that. It's important to start early because sometimes when people start too late, then the child has already gotten past that point where they're open to that. So you want to start early on. And if you have multiple children, you want to try to mix it up uh, and to fit it to their level 
But I think it's important these family meetings would be a great time to share family values, to see what your kids think about that, and to start developing those critical thinking skills. Well, and and like you said earlier, I guess to to offer them the opportunity to have a platform to voice their opinions and their feelings Mm -hmm. in the home rather than only with their peers. Right. And if you set the boundaries with them early and you let them know these are the things that are acceptable, these are the things that are not acceptable, and to be consistent with it, sometimes uh, children come across as rebellious because they're just trying to figure out what to do and what not to do. So it's time for a break. We'll be back shortly.
conflict with yours that you don't want your child uh, to be exposed to? Uh, do they have okay. some habits or behaviors uh, that you don't want your child to be exposed to? And, again, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It could be inviting them over to watch a movie, inviting them over to play cards or to play board games or to do something that allows you to know who is it that your child is interacting with and what kind of influence are they likely to have on that child. So I think it's important for you to know who's interacting with your child and who's important in their lives so that you can hopefully rule out anybody that's not a positive influence. Uh, you don't want to necessarily have to go out and do a background check on them, but you do <laughs> want to spend a little time. <laughs> now, there might be some out there that you want to do a background check with some of the craziness that's going on uh, with our children being molested, but um, take the time to get to know your child's friends and to know the friend's parents and to know what some of their values are so that you can do a comparison of whether it fits uh, with your values. And one thing that's a real struggle for parents um, with their teens is I think you need to respect their privacy, not to the you, point You that mean they have privacy? Yeah, they should have some. Uh, I don't know about that one, though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to a limit. You know, you don't want to just not know what's going on with them, but you can set limits of what's acceptable privacy, um, and you can let them know. Uh, you don't want to do like most parents. Uh, as long as you're in this house, you're going to do what I say, and this is my house. <laughs> so. Well, I don't know, but you know the the people the people that I live with they're they're sort of like you give them an inch they're gonna take a mile. Mm-hmm. Well, they might for a while, but I think that's why it's important to set those boundaries and to have that regular you know communication with them. And so you have to temper it to your child, and you know your child, and some of these things are general suggestions that may or may not work with some children. Um, but depending on your child's age and level of maturity and what type of interests and influences they have, when I say respect their privacy, that doesn't mean that you let them have a space that you can't go into. It means that you say this is the space that's acceptable for you to have some privacy, and this is what I'm willing to accept with you, and that gives them something that they can you know, to go to. Um, and I think that that's important for them to have some refuge that they can go to. Uh, but you have to be careful that you know how to do that with your child. Um, but hopefully these things have been some help. Uh, we're getting close to uh, being out of time, and we want to thank you again for listening in tonight, and we'll have something you know, for you next week. So. Any parting comments before we run out of time? No, I just took some good notes, so thanks. (laughs) Well, hopefully these were helpful, and we will have something next week that will hopefully be informative and entertaining for people. And we want to encourage people to call in. uh, Call in and uh, let us know what some topics of interest would be. Uh, Try to find something that I think would be interesting to people, but... I'm always open to feedback. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.